Welcome to the Learning Scientist Podcast, a podcast for teachers, students, and parents about evidence-based practice and learning. Hello, and welcome to the Learning Scientist Podcast. I'm Dr. Althea Neat Kaminsky, and I'm joined here today by Lindsay Lee Dunwoody, Director of Education Strategy at 1851 Trust. Welcome, Lindsay, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here today. Excellent. I'm excited to talk with you today about Protect Our Future, a platform that provides resources to equip children and educators with skills and knowledge to understand climate science. So uh, my first question for you is how interested are school-age children in climate change? I think massively interested. Um, It's it's been a huge issue that's been bubbling along um, for quite a few years now, but I think it's sort of reached fever pitch when the whole world technically stopped with the pandemic um, and everyone had that sort of greater time to pause and reflect within their own with their own environment I think then sort of the prevalence of it sort of come to a head and a lot of passionate people that have been working um, tirelessly to to say this is something that needs to be addressed for young people with young people really kind of took center stage at that point um, and then we had obviously a uh, cop um, kind of with the launch of the Department of Education's sort of standing out and saying we're going to have this world-class leading climate education that's really going to set the bar I think sort of winding back from that sort of the the feeling across young people, particularly in the UK, um, from what I see face to face week by week, is that uh, there was a frustration. And we found that in our survey that we did with just over a thousand young people um, at the end of last year, that 51 percent are worried about what the planet will be like in the future. And that's a huge, huge statistic. How you sort of unpick that and dig into that further and look at sort of the other 49 percent is that there's there are growing concerns in different areas as to what sort of things that young people can see in their day to day. And then what they see in the headlines. And it was also sort of picked up with the the Big Ask and Big Answers piece by the Children's Commissioner, um, Dave Rachel D'Souza. Um, more recently, with 39% of children aged 9 to 17 said that they're worried about the future. So we're talking about an issue that doesn't just belong to a certain age group. It's actually from a very young age, there's a growing awareness of the world around, uh, the conversations that are being had and what's being noticed and and the solutions that have been put forward, but also the recognition that things need to change. Wow, that's sort of, that's uh, really interesting that it's as young as nine, right? When I, when I think of school-age children and, and what their sort of awareness or interest level of these things might be, I, I probably would have thought it would have been a little bit older. So that's a little concerning and interesting to know that it, it starts as young as, as nine, that, that children that young are aware aware of these and concerned about these issues. So especially with that in mind that we're talking about, not just uh, teenagers, but also younger children as well. What are the current barriers to students, to children those age, getting informed about climate change? Yeah, so I think sort of just reference on that point, sort of nine-year-olds, um, my, my specialist, when I first went into education, I specialised in early years. So I sort of was with reception age children, which here in the UK, four-year-olds, and there is that awareness even at that age. And I think what we learn with the pandemic has sort of brought it to the front, forefront of people's minds is that everybody turns to digital as a means of information at that point, whether that was direct young people um, watching things on TV, on iPads, laptops, phones. Information was being received in a way that was created by sources that wasn't always regulated. And the authenticity of those resources 
that were put before them varied in quality and, and standards and fact checking. Um, and there's a lot of opinion sort of in circulation. And that's where there is a barrier for young people because they're receiving information, not necessarily with a guide rail of somebody sense checking it for them. And the collateral of that is this climate anxiety that sort of uh, can really spiral because they're receiving information. The person that's created that information has no idea how it's going to land with that young person as an individual. And then they interpret that with the knowledge they have. So it might be that they have a huge amount of knowledge in that area and they can really unpick it and understand behind the headlines what's really going on. Or it might land with them at a time when they are really worried and anxious about things. And then it amplifies this storm within them as to kind of thinking, well, this is hopeless. What are we going to do next? And the positivity that could be delivered alongside that messaging it isn't there because it hasn't been delivered to them in a safe way. So that's one of the challenges that we have um, as educators is ensuring that these things come hand in hand in that you receive the, the real picture because it's important to be open and transparent with young people of any age. Um, there's no point sugarcoating it. You really need to, to, to put it out there. But the next follow-on from that is, well, and this is the solution that's been worked on, or this is the science behind it. This is the, the understanding that, that comes with it that they can then go out and communicate and connect other people with that science and share that messaging. So I think yeah, sort of barriers of sort of digital and, and, and the technology side, it's really important to acknowledge what's put out there and ensuring that it's, it is of value, but also for young people, their own, their own home setup. They might live in a household where they are the one that really cares about the planet, but they're not in a position financially to do something about it, or they feel like it's beyond their reach to really have an impact um, in, in the bigger picture. So it's the, the situation of the young person is, is a big indicator as to sort of how they might feel anxious about what they can do and how they can access information. So the third part of that is the education site that they're actually attending. So schools can vary um, from postcode to postcode in the UK. It, you could have a really passionate science teacher that really connects the dots and has this real approach to science and delivering it in a context-based learning that they can relate to it and it feels purposeful. And that then motivates them to continue learning, um, to, to build their knowledge and skills in that area in particular. Or it might be that they go to a school where the teacher lacks confidence in that. And, and we found that in our uh, recent survey that 70% of teachers don't feel equipped to deliver on these things. It, it may be that, that if they have the ability to do it, but they don't feel equipped with the most recent knowledge and cutting edge science to really feel like they're giving that person the most current understanding. So that that's a barrier that young people may have to varying degrees in different subject areas. But it is, it is an issue that with the new the GCSE that's been discussed recently that launched last week is to look at broadening the curriculum to take on these issues and to upskill and prepare teachers to have the confidence to deliver in that that way, but also for young people to have a voice in in what they're actually receiving and the learning that they're learning what they want to know about, um, what feels relevant to them. But again, that's GCC, which is 15, 16 year olds um, here in the UK. But we recognise at the 1851 Trust that there is a, is a bigger piece to this kind of what comes before that point um, to really give young people 
the best opportunity to overcome the numerous barriers and challenges that they have in their day to day. Right. It's interesting. It's not necessarily the the challenge is a lack of information, but instead sort of an overwhelming amount of information that's not being presented effectively. Uh, right. It's difficult enough as an adult to go look up information and define trusted sources. Um, it, like you said, there's you see headlines and you see things um, and without sort of a strong background knowledge to help you interpret that and really ground that in your understanding of climate science and what the solutions are that are out there, it can be really scary, right? And so it, that makes sense that if, I think if, if it's scary for me as an adult, it has to be incredibly anxiety provoking for, um, for a child who is concerned about the climate and concerned about their future and wants to go find information, but there's just sort of no filter on the information that they're finding. And it's not being sort of phrased or presented in a way that makes it accessible for them. So that's, yeah, that's a huge issue. It's not just the information that we have, but how it's being presented and how we can present that for for children in a way that that, that makes sense and is accessible. And that's hopeful, right? That if, if all you ever tell them is the bad news, right, then that can be very depressing <laughs> um, and, and difficult to feel like you could make a change or that that, that you should, or that you can or should be, be doing something because you may think, well, it, there's no point, it's hopeless because it's all bad news. And that's not the case. It's not all bad news. There are um, you know, advances being made every day that are really cool and exciting and would be wonderful to talk about with young people who are really interested in this. But I, I think, again, my impression based on whenever I've been you know, interested in trying to look up information, that's usually not communicated as well. It's usually just the sort of doom and gloom, here's all the bad news. Um, and if there is good news, it's sort of buried deep down in there. So I think that's that's wonderful. There's a recognition of that, right? And an attempt to sort of fix that for for young people. Yeah. And I think it's there's, there's a lot of positivity out there. It sometimes sort of gets lost in the fog of sort of the other discussions making quite a lot of noise. One of the pieces of work that we that we're doing at the moment is looking at uh, putting the spotlight on scientists. We know there's lots of fantastic science work going on out there, sort of not just locally, nationally, but also globally. There's loads of fantastic work, and and why leave it to sort of big events um, such as COP to really put the spotlight on? Because what we can do, and what we're looking to do at the moment, is collect sort of 60 second scientist clips where you've got scientists that. Um, can record themselves in their setting, what they're doing, kind of what they recognise the problem as and what they are doing to work towards a solution or what solution they have that they're they're trying to roll out and sort of make, um, have a bigger uptake for to make change happen. And I think it's it's things like that that can be um, glints in kind of the positivity, particularly with um, sort of the group of young people that we work with, um, 43% of the 14-year-olds use social media to explore um, what's important to them and to find out information. So it's having those bite-sized chunks that can be an off-put if you sort of look at a big lengthy report as a 14-year-old and you see the headline, you see the subtext, you think, I've kind of got an idea, I've got the gist, but you don't really dig deep into it. You're missing that depth. It's that depth of exploration that we need to make more accessible and give young people more opportunities to explore in a way that is authentic and sense-checked and real for them. Right, that's fantastic. And in uh, recognizing 
sort of the way people are going to be using this information is like you said, through social media, where you need to have these shorter sound bites, right? These shorter clips that make it easier for people to engage with it and easier to stumble across and and find that. I think that's really interesting. What what other types of resources does Protect Our Future have for, for students? So Protect Our Future as a program is 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 different from what is currently out there in terms of other education programs that perhaps will look to support the teachers in their delivery, give them um, save them time by giving them access quickly to resources that are, are high quality uh, and produced for the purpose of delivery in in lessons perhaps. Um, with Protect Our Future, it takes it takes two approaches really. Um, we are still looking as the 1851 Trust to support teachers in having inspirational contexts that are real for young people um, and giving them access to information where it's applied in a very kind of exciting, exciting way. I think that is one part of what we're doing. The second part is going direct to young people. So with Protect Our Future, we're looking to build a community globally um, of young people that can share, that can express their voice to give them a platform to have that space to to sort of not be picked up for being wrong or right, but just to to air their views um, in a way that is informed by the science. And that's where Protect Our Future is looking to develop with young people and co-create the resources um, by giving them access to researchers, to industry leads, um, to community examples, where we can really um, accelerate change by elevating examples of positivity that are going on here and now and create a bit of momentum. I think that's kind of what the, where the frustration lies with a lot of young people is that there's there's a lot of talk. <laughs> As we're talking today, um, there's a lot of talk going on, but actually there's a lot of action going on. People are acting um, and it's that research-based action that's really um, significant for Protect Our Future because it's not just the theoretical textbook approach. We want to take young people on that journey with us and there might be a few wrong turns and sort of knowledge and um, sort of experience. Everybody's voices will need to come to the table because it's not just putting the burden of climate change and have this big expectation on young people. It's a whole collective. We need people with experience. We need people that will bring in past experience that, that can then inform our today to make sure we do it better in the future. And that's where all voices at the table will be really um, significant in mobilizing the change that we're all hoping for. What about for educators? You mentioned earlier that um, it might be that there are teachers who would like to talk more about climate science, but maybe don't feel like they have a strong enough background or aren't as confident in it. Um, What are the resources for educators? So the resources for educators, um, we break it down into different areas. So we'll provide to them uh, an inspiration piece, um, like a video clip, for example, that they can share in class, um, some practical inspiration they can share with their class and activities they can do. We're very pro um, at the trust to sort of get young people up and out of their chairs and moving around, sort of using their full school site that they have in the local area. So it's having ideas that teachers can then take and 
apply it to their locality um so there's enough flex in that so so they're they're not sort of closed off ideas that they think well i haven't got that resource available to me or we just don't have that within our school site there's ways that they can adapt things Um, and that's where we work with teachers and a lot of the materials that we're currently creating um, are co-created with with teachers that are going to be delivering this to make sure that it that it is doable and it's realistic for them but also provides a stretch to demonstrate in the school system not just what they can do as part of business as usual but actually what's the possible and to really sort of drive that drive that change for them in the way that they the way that they practice and the way that they approach planning the lessons with their young people for them and another piece that we have with that support package for the teachers is um, a, a knowledge piece that really delves into the science understanding, but also um, other areas where relevant to demonstrate the knowledge needed for the young people to then take practical action um, and how teachers can, can support in that. And part of the um, piece for the young people is that all the material is available for free for teachers and young people. But there's also bite-sized um, chunks that will support the understanding that's been delivered in school, guide-railed by the teacher, um, that they can then go home. And if they're curious to find out some more, they can then access more material that they can then they can do in their home setting. Excellent. So there's entry points to, to dig deeper to find out more, right? What about for for parents? Is there anything for parents? Because that's um, a huge piece in education, right? That teachers could do everything uh, in their power to try to teach things in the classroom. But when students are maybe bringing these home, bringing this information home, and they have questions, um, parents might need some resources, right? Yeah, sure. I think it's, um, we all know this is part of a much bigger beast um, than just the education system. Um, It's corporates, it's influencers, it's governments um, that can really make change happen in this sphere. Um, But in terms of the Protect Our Future programme, we take the approach of um, the, the teachers, the schools, the pupils and the parents um, and I think that came across um, again sort of with, with young people when we asked them 49% said they want to work with family to tackle climate change so they recognise that and interestingly there was a shift with the 11 year olds they said that they would go to their um, family to, uh, family member to find out information and knowledge about uh, a particular thing that maybe troubled them in the news or something was talked about at school um, but when they go to sort of further on their learning journey in their age 16 um, they recognise that to really generate change, it becomes political. Or they need to sort of go to government. They need to talk. They need to find their voice in the, in that crowd. Um, and I think for for parents, it, it is a challenge because of examples of what I've already referred to of your own financial situation, your own home situation, your job, your understanding of. And I think within the Protect Our Future, the way that we're going to create the resources. For um, social media, for example, we envisage that that will be shared across all cross generation as an approach. Um, it's, it's not going to be sort of schooly information landing down upon people. It's very much conversation generation um, that's going to happen that across the dinner table or 
um, walking to school together or um, walking the dog in the evening or those sort of moments where you think, actually, let's pick this up and have a chat around it. Let's just explore it. And nobody's right or wrong because we're just we're on this journey together to figure out kind of what's happening. And if we don't have the knowledge, let's check out Protect Our Future and let's find out if there's there's some help in there um, that can help us understand sort of what is the science behind why things are the way they are. And I really love that that approach to having it be a conversation, right? That that you had mentioned with the the resources for um, for students and for children it, about it being a more collaborative approach, right? It's about generating conversations and about sort of allowing space for them to ask questions that are important to them, right? And the importance of having that done in collaboration with educators and with people who are already knowledgeable in that area so that they sort of, they they know what questions they should be answering. Right. And and that's something it's interesting because I see a lot of parallels there um, with how I approach talking about other issues. Right. Uh, So as a researcher, learning a memory, it's really fantastic to work with, for me to work with um, my university students because they're the ones who have the questions. And I maybe have some preconceived ideas about what they might find important, relevant, or interesting. And I'm often really surprised to find out what questions they have. Um, and so it's, I always think, a much more beneficial process when you can have people work together, right? It's going to be much more satisfying all around that the students will feel more involved and have more ownership of it because they can see, right? They can see that their concerns are being taken seriously and addressed seriously. Like you said, that they're not being talked down to, that it's really about um, helping them to understand more about something that they're interested in, helping to empower them, right? To feel that they can make change. Um, so I think that's that's a really interesting, that's a wonderful approach. So sort of on that note, right? It could be really scary to talk about climate change for these reasons, right? That that young people can go out and look out look at information and it's scary, right? Again, usually headlines are sort of the worst case scenario and that's all they're seeing. And they may feel hesitant to really ask questions because they they know that they're not experts. Um, and so all of those things kind of make it difficult to talk about. Um, so it, the problem is so big, it can be really challenging to know where to begin. So what advice do you have for students who who are interested in this and and who want to sort of Im- improve their world but don't really know where to begin because it is so overwhelming. Yeah, it's um I you're right, it's tricky for it's tricky for adults um to sort of get their heads around at times and and and, and can be often frustrating um to, to look at because particularly with the experience we had in the pandemic that if you need change to happen, it can happen overnight. Um, and there's a lot out there at the moment in the headlines speaking with young people that I work with and even my own young people at home. Um, it, it's frustrating because a lot of the questions revolve around, um, well, if this really is an issue, can't we just stop? Can't we just stop fossil fuels, for example? And um, it's, it's one of those challenging pieces for them to figure out what's the entry point into the discussion. Um, and that's what we're we're trying to do with protect our future is provide that digestible piece that doesn't feel overwhelming that they can enter into it through familiar everyday actions that can then make a difference to the bigger picture and when they're ready they can take that next step 
if they want more information, if they want um, more knowledge, if they want more involvement, we can signpost them in a way that is a, a safe route to take those stepping stones into the right direction, um, to empower them to have the knowledge and skills, to have the conversations, to, to open up on the way that they feel about these things, but just not in a way of saying that they're really upset about it, but they're upset because, and this is the information that I have to hand, and I want to know what's going to happen next, um, or I want to be part of the solution. And I think that's where it's it really demonstrates the benefit of working with schools um, as these hearts of communities, because schools can be really influential particularly when they open up their doors and bring all of the community in they have their own lifeblood um, from experience as a, as a governor in a school locally where my children attend if when the schools open their doors and people come in that are not necessarily directly connected with the school community anymore they might have their children might be grown up or they might be new to the area you get a feel for the values of, of an area and just what you can participate in And that momentum can really generate change because for young people, they feel like they're they're not alone in what they are trying to achieve, but also they can learn from others um, and have that ripple effect beyond their community. Because if you've got a community that's doing something really successfully, they can be used as a flagship for other communities of demonstrating what is possible um, and what can, what ideas can be taken. It's And it will be that sharing of ideas and, like I said, the conversation that then happens that then inspires other young people to think beyond the, it just won't happen where I live, to start thinking, well, they've achieved it and they started out as maybe 10 young people and they've approached their local MP, they've done this, they've made change happen I can do that too. And it's it's removing that kind of stigma of you're a child and you're in education. It's you're a child and this is your planet too. And actually, you don't have to wait till you leave school to make change happen. You can be part of that now. And when you leave school, in reality, there'll be jobs that don't even exist now. But you need the knowledge and skills to prepare you for the unknown of the future. Um, but let's think about today and what we're going to do tomorrow to make it more more positive um, and, and drive the change that we want to see and not just wait for. I really love this approach of, of really focusing on people and focusing on community. I, I think a lot of times when we encounter a difficult problem or some sort of gap in knowledge, the uh, the tendency is to think, well, um, maybe this is a, that the solution exists in science or in some sort of, um, which is sort of a stand-in for just like abstract knowledge that needs to be generated. And once we come up with a solution, that's it. We've come up with a solution and then it will will work. But the reality is, is that for most problems, and definitely this is the case in, in climate science and climate change, it's a people problem, right? And so it needs a people-based solution. People are complicated. Um, as, a, as a psychologist, I know that very well, that it's really <laughs> difficult uh, that people are multifaceted and, and, and it's challenging. So I think I, I, that, that really resonated with me where people, young people ask, well, if we know that this is bad, why don't we just stop? Well, it's, it's not that easy, right? People are, are parts of communities and parts of systems. Um, and so any sort of solution needs to be people-based, right? Um, and for me, at least, that makes the problem a little bit less intimidating, right? That maybe I don't understand the ins and outs of all of climate science, right? Maybe I have some sort of understanding, but I maybe know how to 
join a group or start some sort of club or activity or go to a meeting or right just begin to connect with other people and uh, like you point out that could be a really meaningful way to make change right it would be fantastic if there are young people who learn about this and get really excited and motivated to maybe become scientists right to go in and do research um maybe go into government, right? That there are all kinds of ways in which you might attack this problem. But it's really, um, I think, encouraging here that there are some really simple solutions that are, you you can, you don't have to necessarily have a lot of specialized knowledge, although that would be great. You could just be somebody who cares about your community and cares about your planet and you can get involved and you can make a change that way. So I think that's really, really encouraging to hear that there's, there's other things you can do. Yeah, and actually, I think that's the something that's often can be missed is that with teaching, when you work directly with young people, you recognise that it's not it's the knowledge and skills that you're imparting on them because that's your role as an educator. But you you work with them to develop that, and you meet them with where they're at because you can't just sort of have uh, one approach to a delivery with young people because everybody's coming in with a different baseline knowledge of what what they need to grow from. Um, and I think when you recognise where the young person is culturally and what their beliefs are and what they value, you can really um, use that, utilise that passion to to drive them to be motivated to to really engage with the material and to question and to challenge and and it's great and I, I used to love getting questions I couldn't answer when I was a teacher because I used to go home and I'd have to do research and I always used to um, say to friends every day is a school day no matter what age you are because you always there's always something that you think I haven't got the answer to um, I need to find this out and uh, maybe that's sort of down to personality trait but I think it's it's good to be hungry to find out knowledge and and ultimately, that, that knowledge is what sort of gives you um, more power to, to make change happen because you can talk to people and you can convince them of it and you can take them on that journey as well. And I think if everybody steps up, then you can really transform the learning for a better world. And it's that everybody stepping up and forward together that will make a big difference um, with climate education in particular. But also in terms of addressing the collateral of things like climate anxiety is that it will take the joining of the dots done well and not duplicating and all of us rushing for the door at the same time and treading on toes. It's, it's going to have to be a, a big shift in the way that we work across education, across industry, with government and in identifying how do we work well <laughs> How do we collaborate towards these solutions? And that's with Protect Our Future as a platform, supporting teachers with these go-to resources that are of high quality, putting young people's at the heart of the, people's voices at the heart of the conversation. These are all things that if you put the right ingredients together, you'll get a great end product, but they're not going to happen tomorrow as quickly as we would hope to do. But it, it's having conversations like the conversation today um, connecting, realising where those people are working passionately in their fields to make a difference and taking the best of it, taking the, the best examples, taking the cutting edge science and ensuring that young people have the opportunity to engage with that and have the access to it, whether that is digitally or whether it is in school, whether it is at science fairs, 
Um, whether it is a, a, a science festival in a community area where the doors are flung open, it's all of those things that will help us get there quicker and ensure that we take that leap that is needed, not just a tweak of the education system, but take the leap that is long overdue uh, for a lot of young people. And it's, it's not just about the ones that are the keen beans that want to be sort of ambassadors for the planet. They're fantastic and hats off to them the energy they put into the causes they believe in but actually for me it's why why are the ones that um the young people that are not actively engaged with it what's holding them back what's their challenge how comes they don't feel like this is a conversation for them at what point are they going to join it um and what's their role in working towards a more positive planet for a more positive perspective across that generation and beyond. And like you said, part of it is part of this accessibility is not just making the information readily available in a format that they can access, but in meeting them where they're at, right? That that you can meet them where they're at culturally, sort of uh, where they're at in their communities, what sort of level of engagement or what sort of conversations are they able to have right now, right? And then you can build that in the future. And I think that's maybe another barrier that people feel is, is you maybe you see these activists who are so passionate and so, so brave. Um, and that's a lot of pressure, right? If, if that's the message that you're seeing is, is that to really care about this, you have to be this sort of exceptional, extraordinary person. Um, that could be really intimidating. So providing these models for community engagement, for seeing, well, I'm not quite sure how to do this, but in in this community, here's what they did. And these were people just like me, right? That that did something that was just, they started a group, they signed up, they, they created a petition, right? That there are these sort of smaller things um, that are, much more accessible things that you can do right now where you're at. Um, and that can maybe get the ball ro- rolling and start the momentum to get somebody more involved and to make them feel like they are a part of the conversation. And this is something that they are involved with and, and can continue to be involved with. Yeah. That Lindsay, thank you so much. This was a, a fantastic conversation. I feel, I feel better. Um, Cause these are, this is when, when you approach us, I thought, wow, you know, I'm not surprised that, young people have this anxiety about climate change, right? That I, I feel that way. And if I feel that way as, again, an adult who has better access to information, who sort of has a better sort of ability to navigate things online and, and figure out disinformation and things like that, right? If I'm intimidated by this, gosh, that has to be so difficult for young people, for 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 children, you know, a nine-year-old, a 10-year-old, an 11-year-old, right, who's worried about this and they don't really know how to approach or talk about it. But hearing about the solutions that Protector Future is coming up with gives gives me a lot of hope. And I really like this this approach to, to focusing on people and focusing on communities um, in ways that sort of meet them where they're at. Is there anything else you want to add or could you tell us more about how to, where to find Protect Our Future and how to get to these resources that we've been talking about? Yeah, so we're, um, so we have got a website, protectourfuture.org. Um, and in the coming weeks, we're developing more and more sort of ways to, to, to do exactly that, to meet young people where they're at um, and working with young people to co-create. We've had some really exciting co-creation projects with young people of different ages that 
they're sort of telling us all about TikTok, for example, um, and, and and YouTube channels. And um, I say it like I'm really old. I'm, I'm not, um, but it's interesting to get their their feel on it and kind of get an idea of the frequency that they use these social channels for information um, and and how they want and what they want on the website and what they would want elsewhere and, and what they would want in their school communities. So, um, so, yes, you can find us online at the website protect.future.org, um, but there is there's certainly more to come um, in the next coming months as we're sort of developing the programme more with young people um, and with, with educators as well to make sure that we're doing the best best that we can um, to give them the support and the confidence they need to take on um, this particularly challenging subject area, as, as well as other areas that they feel are significant to them, such as mental health and understanding kind of the, the, the ripple out effect that all of these things have, that you can't just treat one thing in isolation. We need to kind of look at the big picture and ensure that we have all the support that that they're telling us they want. Um, and ultimately, with Protect Our Future, we are looking for collaborations, um, sort of whether that's nationally or it's globally, um, to ensure that we, we don't miss what's out there. And if there's a fantastic example of a community project anywhere in the world, we, we want to hear about it. We want to make sure that we feature it because it might be that thing that piques the interest of a young person and really connects them with the science. And not all young people see themselves as sciencey, if you put it that way. And we sort of think that if you can build that understanding of science by helping them realise where it is in their day-to-day life, then they'll feel like this is more for them. They don't necessarily have to go into a science career. Like you said, it's it's not just about kind of the original approach to STEM. Um, it's kind of STEAM. It, it's everywhere. And if young people feel like they can access that, then they feel like they, they can take the next step into kind of delving a bit deeper and having that depth of knowledge that will be needed for them to be an informed citizen um, globally or to choose to work in that area when they're older. So for right now protectourfuture.org, but possibly in the future, there, a TikTok well, channel. <laughs> <laughs> right. Instagram, everywhere we can find on social media. Um, and of course, once, you, uh, once you've branched out to those, those other platform, platforms, let us know so we can tell our listeners and, and our readers uh, where to go to get more information on that. But for now protectorfuture.org, which I assume, again, yeah, world domination, we'll, we'll assume uh, have, have links to everything else at anywhere where young people uh, find information about climate science. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Lindsay. Oh, thank you for having me. It's, um, yeah, it's great to talk and uh, good to sort of meet fellow enthusiasts for sort of working with people for people. It's great. <laughs> thank you. This episode is funded by listeners like you. To support our work and gain access to exclusive content, visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash learning scientists.